All right. You know my hey favorite thing about Costco? I really like the, uh, they've got this Chicago mix popcorn. Do you get that at your, at your uh, clubhouse, Jake? I don't, um, I don't but maybe I, I would uh, love to. <laughs> okay. So do yourself a favor and go yeah. to, in fact, you know what? I'm going to hold that off for my recommendations for tonight. That's going to no, go. No, 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 You started it. You have to tell me what's in it at least. You got to tell me. What's, yeah. what's right. the Chicago right. mix? I'm, d- I'm doing my mm. recommendation at the top here. We're going to go all helter skelter tonight. Uh, Chicago mix is uh, cheddar popcorn in the same bag and blended up with caramel popcorn. Oh, okay. Uh, and so you get like the salty savory and you get the sweet savory and it's delicious. Recommendation at the top from Jason. You're welcome, everybody. Chicago Mix. Try it out. Craters, C-R-E-T-O-R apostrophe S at Costco. If your warehouse has it, it's fantastic. I'm going to have some so, tonight after we're done. So it's basically like one of those popcorn tins, but it's not separated. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you were a kid and you got that for Christmas, you pulled out that little cardboard divider and it all just sort of merged together. That's what you're looking you're for. You're missing the yeah. butter. You're missing the butter. There's no butter popcorn in there because the, it was always the three segregated from each other. And what they yeah. did was Chicago is they bust the caramel popcorn over to the cheddar popcorn area mm-hmm. and uh, they integrated mm-hmm. and they found out just like Dr. King predicted uh, that they would find out <laughs> that they learned. That there was no good cause for the prejudices between cheddar popcorn and caramel popcorn. That does. I... <laughs> you can't even let Jake weigh in on that one. That's just nope. <laughs> it's too, too, it's too much of a soft. I, promise, <laughs> I just want to make clear. I don't want anybody to read in anything into the fact that I said that it was mm. the caramel popcorn that got bust. That was not a. Mm. A uh, suggestion about anything that was just the, <laughs> the, a, the order that events happened. Not a busing policy statement. No, okay. yeah. All right. Well, hello and welcome. Good to know. The Squaring Minds, episode 15 so, for April 13th, really, 2023. Really weird start. You're welcome. <laughs> super, super weird start. Um, this is basically what the show is. So if you like this, then you like the show. If you don't like this, then maybe you want to go go over to uh, the daily and listen to that. Um, yeah. The show is three lawyer friends. Serious podcast. Yeah, just you know, getting themselves into trouble with references to uh, historical figures and uh, bad policies uh, vis-a-vis popcorn. Uh, three friends. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm Andrew Leahy. I'm a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey, and I'm joined, as always, by Jason. Hello, everybody. Huh? I'm here. He's this the popcorn I'm, guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm the popcorn guy. I'm the uh, popcorn bussing <laughs> guy. Chicago mix. Do yourself a favor. Why is it Chicago mix? Probably because that's the first place that they started removing those dividers. I don't know. Mm. Or it's oh, one of those um, things that's like the Spanish flu. It actually had nothing to do with Chicago. Just like yeah. the Spanish flu had nothing to do with yeah. Spain. Just at some point, Chicago was either in vogue or uh, on the outs, and they decided that they were going to call it that. It could it's be. There's a famous the popcorn Chicago. place. <laughs> yeah. Oh. There you go. Uh, the band Chicago was like, you know, this is a nice melding of many different elements in one. Yeah. And so we got to capture that in popcorn form. I felt like you were starting an accent when you started to speak as Chicago, and it sounded like you were maybe going to go English. Is that an English band? I don't. Rem- I don't. I really don't know. No, I know they're, they're music, but so. I don't know. Are they not? Mm. Uh, I I'm not going to lie. I don't know very much about Chicago the band. No, uh, really I don't know very much about Boston the band. Are they actually um, from Boston? In, re- in reference to the busing that we were talking about, don't know much about Boston the band. Um, okay. uh, You'll be very surprised to learn, uh, according to ChicagoTheBand.com, Chicago is an American rock band formed in Chicago. No. Oh, that's weird. That's nice. They're also yeah. known as The Big Thing from 1967 to 1968 and the Chicago Transit Authority from 1968 to 1969. <laughs> that lasted for one year before they went, mm, Before they were like, our SEO is terrible. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, the switching away from The Big Thing, probably a good decision in the long term. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't have held up well. I don't know. Hashtag the big thing. That's I I think I would prefer the big thing over Chicago. Did we do did we do double entendres the same way in the sixties? I'm not sure. Not sure. I think even more in the sixties and the seventies. Yeah. Than it is now. Isn't that what the whole Austin Powers series set in the sixties is about? Right. Mm. Uh, I I get most of my knowledge about the seventies and the eighties from uh I love the seventies and I love the eighties, which I watched a lot of when I was in like middle school and high school. The like VH1? Um, was that VH1? I think it was VH1. Yes, that right? was VH1. Yeah. I also um, want to recant my statement about Austin Powers being set in the 60s. It's not. It's set in the 90s, I think. Uh, not in the 60s. But Austin no, Powers but himself he was is from frozen the 60s. He's right? from the 60s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and so he was brought over from the 60s. And that's the... Yeah. 
Yeah. What is Mo Rocca doing if they're not still making I Love the Whatever? I feel like he was, remember, he was always a guy who would weigh in, that comedian yeah. Mo Rocca, right? I, I don't he, think M- Mo Rocca was one, Michael Ian Black, uh, yeah. Paul Shear, um, yeah. uh, Seven Up, the Seven Up guy. Seven um, Up guy. The little there's red. a lot, there's a lot in there. Uh, I know Paul, what Paul Shear's doing. Well, what's what, he doing? He's been doing a few, he does a podcast, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. But also, he was in the league. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what Michael Ian Black's doing. These I love the '70s though. The commentators. I just looked it up. A veritable who's who. I mean, listen to some of these. You got John Amos. You got uh, Lonnie Anderson. You got Alec Baldwin. Bob what? There's a name I recognize finally. Yeah, these are just. I mean, really big time stars. Both criminally charged Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. I've been yeah. just drawing straight blanks here for like the last five minutes while you guys are making references to I don't know what. But Cheech Marin. Good on you, Cheech Marin. I know that one. That's yeah. a guy I've heard of. Marilyn Manson, Sharon Osbourne, Penn and Teller. This is great pod, right? I'm just naming out uh, a cast of I Love the 70s from the 90s. Okay, the, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> is like how, like how guys will get to... There's a meme about how guys will get together and just name old ballplayers and be like, yeah. And <sighs> he'll be Rick like, games. oh, yeah. Uh, Fred McGriff. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, the crime dog. Yeah. Oh, uh, I yeah. love Fred McGriff. Yeah. Um, I love Fred McGriff. Moises yeah, okay, Alou. So I'm, I'm a lawyer. This is Jason again. Yeah. I'm a lawyer, oh, just like Andrew, also a lawyer. Uh, You'll uh-huh. be surprised to find out. I'm going to give you a spoiler, but Jake is also a lawyer. Yes. We are the three lawyers screwing around, not to give legal advice, not to really give technology advice, just because we are lawyers. We like technology. We like the law sometimes. Uh, and we like each other. And we get around, get together, and talk about this stuff uh, weekly and yep. have fun together. And you guys can listen if you want. Uh, but we do it because we have fun together. And that's the real reason. Us loving uh, technology is a great segue to Jake <laughs> because uh, he can introduce himself and tell us about his new bit of technology he has there that yes. he's working on. Uh, I'm Jake. I'm a local government use attorney. As we are talking, I am staring at my new laptop. By the way, if we're doing recommendations at the top, I'll do one little one here. Uh, laptops? Uh, crazy discounted right now. Uh, demand has seemingly cratered. So I just got this laptop that retails for like uh, like $1,700 for $800. Uh, it's a Lenovo X1 Nano. Um, and it's got like 16 gigs of RAM and 500 gigs of solid state. And it is uh, a 12th gen i7. Um, nice. It is for a, a tiny little thin and light laptop. Uh, it's been really good on Windows Update so far, which is okay. the only thing I've done with it. So, yeah, yeah, if you need a, a laptop to re- go through and... Windows Update with, yeah. uh, I can't uh, can't recommend this one enough. You got a uh, $1,700 laptop for $800. I assume that means that you had to purchase it from Andrew's Homeland in New Jersey, uh, <laughs> where it fell off the back of a truck, right? Yeah. Some I guy with a valve. Directly from Lenovo on eBay. Electronic. Mm, that doesn't sound direct. Oh, that doesn't sound direct. Did it, did, with Lenovo, bay. did it have zeros for the O's in Lenovo? Because if that's <laughs> the case, the username that's not actually Lenovo. They they have two. They had twenty five thousand reviews. So oh, okay. if they are if they are fake, then they are good high quality fakes. What I've always okay. liked about Windows laptops is they double for if you want to, you can turn them over and then they're a hot plate. And you can sort of that's warm true. up like you know yeah little little meals and stuff. It's a useful it's a useful yeah. thing. Florida is about is notoriously cold, so you know I could use that heat. Yeah, you know? mm. that's true. Yeah, hand warmers. Mm-hmm. Hand warmers are good. Yeah, they burn your wrists, right? Yeah, the, where your wrists rest on the laptops. That's at least how it used to be. Like seriously, that really was. I remember yeah. having like an old Dell, and it was hard in law school, and just oh, using yeah. like Microsoft Word, and having your wrist get so hot, you start to get kind of like irritation on your on your whatever that bone is as I strike yeah. the microphone. And it weighs like nine pounds and uh, yeah. gives you like back pain when you lug it around in your backpack for sure. Yep. It was great. The battle. And days. if you switch from just typing text to doing like a bulleted list, the fan spins up and you could feel the heat blast out that little side thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those were good days. Those were yeah. Good Back in those days. Oh, gosh. What was the stupid sports website that we all used to go to when Deadspin. the three of us were? Deadspin. That's Deadspin. the one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, stupid you sports website. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> He's the, all over uh, it. For sure, for sure. Uh, so, hey guys, you want to talk about some technology stuff? Maybe some law stuff. To. 
Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Uh, oh, you can hear it. It's the sound <laughs> no. of Jake's laptop. <laughs> oh, it's on mute. It, it, it denied me. It's supposed to be on mute. Sorry. Mm. You know, you can you see the Windows update's done. <laughs> a malfunctioning Windows laptop? I can't imagine. You can snip I must the have end hit something. off of an old pair of headphones and plug just the jack into your... I mean, you really complete the look. That's what a lot of people had. Do you remember that? Did you, did you ever see anybody do that? In order to like mm-hmm. hardware mute your laptop, you would snip the the connector off the end of an old pair of headphones and plug oh, really? it into the to the speaker. Yeah, that was always that's, a great look. That's quite a okay. That, yeah. That's quite a that's quite a ways to go. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't good. If you ha- you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So speaking of sucky technology, Twitter doesn't exist <laughs> nice. anymore, right? Oh yeah. Are do it they even been... can they count as a technology? They're. You know, <laughs> so it's merged with X Corp. And then today, the other or I mean, merged is an interesting use of the term merged because X Corp seemingly doesn't really exist other than to hold Twitter. And yeah. maybe it'll hold the other junk that Musk owns later. But for now, it's it's just that it's a, it's a Nevada corporation. He moved everything over to there. I read the article that I think you put in, Jake, into the yeah into the document. Yeah. Um, it's it. I thought it was going to get to some point that this was to dodge some sort of liability, which I was skeptical of, obviously, but it didn't. No, and no. Well, um, there's yes, I think there is, which is it's not a specific liability they're trying to dodge. Uh, if you hear, if you listen to Ann Lipton and other uh, s.social celebrities, right. uh, Ch- Chance Chancery Daily. I don't know if you mm-hmm. follow her. Uh, the corporate law people will tell you that when you incorporate in Nevada, which is where they they've incorporated, uh, you're probably trying to avoid uh, actual well-formulated corporate law and corporate scrutiny that Delaware will give you. And mm-hmm. so they might be trying to avoid liabilities for misstating anything uh, when it comes to the equity shares that they're giving away to their employees because uh, that's they're starting to get give equity uh as an incentive to their employees and but he doesn't want to be <laughs> held responsible he for actually the things that he's tweeting um gotcha so there's a you know uh ann lipton said something about how it's very difficult to determine whether or not you can actually sue for misstatements and that kind of thing when it comes to a private corporation um right. mm-hmm. but putting it in nevada just makes it more more unclear but uh, would that but, work retroactively or would that only be prospectively i mean I, if was, he's already... i think it would only be prospectively okay right but, i would assume um, right I, I'm, I'm not, not even sure lawyer. if they've started granting the equity yet to the to the oh, kids okay i mean but you know about the x thing right like why he's why it's called x corp the everything this, app? Uh, it's going to be the everything right. app exactly yeah, he said it's going to be a bank. It's going to be Twitter, uh, and right. a million. It's going to be the best location for con- content creators. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to see see the competence to run one of those. Anyone? It is yeah. The, uh, it is the best place to hold your doggy coin. I don't say Dogecoin. <laughs> I think that's dumb. Oh, is it going to be a crypto wallet? wallet? Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a crypto wallet, but only for doggy coin. Uh, mm. and, uh, you know, you gotta, that's how you pay your Twitter blue, your X blue subscription. And, uh, that's how you buy your Tesla. So I'm going to have to sign up for this dumb thing and get my the everything I- app from X. <laughs> the idea that it's an everything app and, and it's based at least as of now around Twitter, uh, the, the idea that this is going to do everything. <laughs> it's your bank. It's all these other things. Twitter seems like a little micro blog. That seems like the smallest bit of yeah. what of this project you know what i mean like, for this to be the thing that you build it on it's just it's such a, a minor aspect of that like the bank i mean so today yeah. also the news was he partnered with etoro or twitter partnered with uh etoro which is like a robin hood kind of trading of stock and bond and um sorry crypto um what do you call it a platform and they're you're going to be able to purchase things through twitter but i mean it's, it's just a partnership it's not as though twitter is selling the cryptocurrency yet or the stocks yet Wait, so what are they doing? Are they going to let you are are is eToro functionality going to be merged into Twitter? Uh so merged in the sense that eToro will continue to exist, but you will be able to like use the facilities of purchasing thing, of purchasing cryptocurrencies and stock on Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry, on eToro through Twitter. 
through that makes sense. Okay. it's like a t- it's like a partnership tie-in eToro will continue to exist okay. from what from what so, i can tell so far so is twitter in this scenario like the identity management system like is that what elon spent 54 44 million <laughs> billion dollars on like i i think it's based basically on the idea of like if you remember the um what was the big the meme stock thing from from last year like gamestop gamestop right? yeah AMC, that was on bed back yeah, that, and beyond there you go. That was on uh, that was on Reddit to some extent, but it was also on Twitter. And apparently, cash tags have been a thing on Twitter for some time. There's a lot of like mm-hmm. like fin Twitter is is a thing. And so I think he right. sees some value there, and he thinks, well, why are these people referencing purchasing a stock or purchasing cryptocurrency and then going off Twitter to actually do so? If we can do this through Twitter and obviously get something from eToro for having you know uh, referred these purchases, I assume. I think he sees that as a as a you know value add, but it is an interesting thing that he wants. To, you know, he wa- he has stated he wants this platform to be a bank, right? But now he's just right. partnering with some other platform. Like that's not quite right. what. That's not really so what not, you were saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? They, it's not. They aren't even the platform. They are bringing in a third party to, not right. even like to just make that third party more valuable <laughs> to add right. functionality for the third party. Right, and uh, you have to question what what do you say to eToro? I mean, did did they not ask any questions about like, well, Elon, uh, you have suggested that you you know you kind of want to eat our lunch, right? So why would we want to yeah. partner with you and have you? I mean, I see the short term value for them in having more you know traffic pushed to their website. I don't think mm-hmm. they're a huge platform; they're you know relatively large, but they're not a Robin Hood in size. And so I see the right. value of having these cash tags be tied directly to eToro. You can just purchase something right there. Um, cash tag, by the way, is the dollar sign, and then the uh, the stock stock. It's like a hashtag, but instead of the hash symbol, it's the dollar sign, and then the stock uh, ticker, and that functions in some way on Twitter. I'm not certain. I have mm. not used it. It'd be just like somebody who writes for Bloomberg to know something like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know this so, this whole thing reminds me of the uh, and this may be too deep a poll for most uh, you know ordinary humans. Uh, who have good hobbies, not dumb hobbies. But <laughs> this reminds me of the time that uh, in the video game World of Warcraft, they made it so that you could order a pizza from in-game using oh, yeah. a command. <laughs> like this is what that sounds like. So this is like the slash pizza of Twitter. Where uh, congratulations, we've linked two things that really have no business being together. We've linked them together for your enjoyment. Mazel tov. Yeah. So you you might have heard me typing because I wanted to look something up. Uh, but let's say uh, you're Elon Musk and it's 20, 2021 and you want to start a a microblogging slash um, uh, slash bank okay. uh, company uh, and you can't buy one that's both because that doesn't exist yet. Do you think it's better to buy the bank first and then start <laughs> margu- microblogging or buy the microblog and then start banking first, or then try start banking with the microblogging company. Uh, right. Uh, this is a real question. Which one do you guys think makes more sense? Mm. Buy the bank. I, 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 I'm not sure about that because I don't know if I, Andrew, you probably know as well as anybody because you pour over financial records, maybe not banking records, but point of sale records. As far as I understand it, banking software is grotesquely out of date and yeah. like is still running on like more or less q basic and uh, so like if you're going to start a if you are going to have a technology technologically advanced bank you probably want to start that from scratch on the back of a technology company rather than uh, starting a technology company out of a bank that hasn't managed to pull itself out of you know, running from a green screen DOS prompt. Well, so imagine you can buy a technical, let's say you could buy Robinhood and start, which is a, you know, a a much more technically advanced bank than typical uh, and start microblogging. Would you do that rather than buy Twitter and start banking? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Because Robinhood is, it has a market cap of $9 billion. Hmm. He could have done that. He could have, he could have literally waited six months uh, on the Twitter thing for the price to crash and picked up a, and picked up a free two or three free Robin hoods uh, instead of, you know, doing what he did. And just Uh, the whole thing together. 
And could he would have really had a have, huge head start. <laughs> yeah. Could he really have waited for six months for Twitter to crash? Or did Twitter crash because he didn't wait six months and it, it just <laughs> that's true. got terrible because of him? Like It's Schrodinger's could, Elon. Well, right, the, that's exactly... <laughs> the market was not pricing in the value. Once he said that he wasn't going to go wasn't going to go forward. It was trading, even though there was a binding contract saying he had to go forward at the price. Right. It was trading like $20 lower than that binding contract amount. Yeah. Uh, like 30, like worth like a total of like 30 billion or something like that. Right. So much less than the difference between that and the, between uh, the total market cap of Robinhood. Well, so wasn't the amount he offered that to- in place. But huh? it wasn't the amount he offered to purchase it at a meme price anyway. So couldn't he probably have right. just sort of like actually given a real price that would have been $9 billion less or whatever you said for Robinhood <laughs> and picked up the two of them? Well, it was like 420 a share or something like that. It was that. some ridiculous. I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, how did you think this was going to go? I, I can't yeah. believe anyone thought this was going to work out. Yeah, the uh, I don't remember. I think the total ended up, oh, it was 5420 per share. Um, oh, yes. Okay. For right. a total of forty-three billion, and then it was trading at thirty per share, so like half of what he paid for it. Uh, so yeah, yeah some people made some twenty decent nice money on that price. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this idea of this like super app thing isn't, and in the article I linked to, it's a CNBC article. I'll put it in the show notes. They talk about it a little bit. It's not uncommon elsewhere. So in uh, in Asia, in East Asia specifically, there's yeah. a, a number of these. So in China, Tencent has payments through WeChat. And WeChat has mm-hmm. like, I, my understanding is it has like a marketplace and it is sort of, I mean, not to the extent what he's talking about, because I was trying to look and see what he has said over time X would include. <laughs> and it's been all over the place. It's been a bank. It's been uh, s- s- oh something for. It did it again. <laughs> Sorry. It was Don't restarting. Worry. It's been uh, something for Tesla. It's been uh, basically it's whatever he thinks at the time. As you said, for content creation, all, all like all, all journalists are going to be on X, the everything yeah. app. And it's kind of funny because the other news, <laughs> no journalists, yeah, exactly. The other news, <laughs> just to tie everything into with uh, um, that's going on with Twitter this last week, is that uh, NPR and then now PBS have both left. Apparently, because there was some sort of flag put on their account that it's it would yeah. like, indicate that they were yeah. government sponsored media. Well, yes, there was. They changed the flag a couple times. Uh, okay. At first, it was state affiliated media. Like, you know, they tag actual government propaganda outlets. Right. Uh, and then it right. became government funded. And then it became publicly funded. I believe that's how it went. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. the second they were tagged with state affiliate, they were just like, what? <laughs> they stopped tweeting. Yeah. Um, and BBC was also tagged the state uh, state sponsored media. And he immediately uh, did you see that he gave a, a interview with them? Yeah, uh, where he was like, my <laughs> my bad, basically. I didn't understand yeah. the difference. Uh, probably because he's uh, probably because he's got cat turd whispering in his ear about, you know, Russia. Right. Stuff. <laughs> um, he doesn't need to understand that. I mean, do you not have I mean, I guess not. He fired them all, but you don't have anyone who could pull you aside. It's yeah. last week's Hitler problem, right? There's no one. Everybody's <laughs> afraid of him. They don't want to get fired. So nobody's going to pull him yeah. aside and say, don't do this is a terrible idea. There's a difference between state funded, state sponsored uh, and like, you know, propaganda outlet. And, and you know what I mean, there are tiers of these things and you can't call PBS, the, PBS kids this and expect it, them to stay on. Well, uh, he's talked about how everybody has been telling him to not tweet. So he, people give him the good advice and yeah. he's just like, no, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing I, mean, I give thing. credit to the people who tell them, like people yeah. who, you know, uh, probably owe everything that they have. I, I don't mean that as, as a, you know, a, an aggrandizing of him, but just like he's yeah. probably surrounded only by people that he pays the salary right. of. And yeah. so it takes some guts to or actually caring uh, to, to say to him, like, you know, listen, you might want to pipe down a little bit. Yeah. yeah, the the interesting thing about this, uh, well, there are a lot of interesting things about it, but one that stuck out to me as I was looking into this a little bit today, not as research for the podcast, just mm-hmm. as research for being a human being in this day and age, uh, was uh, NPR's funding is something like 1% government grants. And so mm-hmm. it is not as though we are talking about you know, the North Korean organized state media, which is the right. only media outlet or Russian government TV, which I, I'm sure there are others there, but that's like the main one, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, 
this was someplace that gets 1% of their total revenue uh, and overall operating revenue right. uh, from the government, which I don't know exactly. I mean, the NFL makes a ton of money, so they may be a bad example because I'm sure it's less than 1%, but how much money does the NFL get from the government? It's not a, it's not a small amount uh, of money. In fact- You mean like would, for stadiums I'm, and stuff? Yeah. For stadiums, sure, fine, whatever. But I'm thinking of how many branches of the armed services advertise oh, on yeah. the NFL programming. Like they yeah. are getting tons of money. Like, do you think that they're trotting out the National Guard there just for goodwill or is it like recruiting and expenses are borne by somebody? I don't know the answer to that question. It'd be interesting to find out. But like these companies, uh, these branches of the uh, U.S. armed services are advertising with right. the NFL. Yeah. And so like how much of the NFL is state funded? Are we going to make them a state funded organization on Twitter now too? Like, uh, it's I mean, how about Tesla itself? Yeah, Tesla. How about Twitter, <laughs> how about Twitter itself? Tesla's... Elon Musk and Tesla and SpaceX yeah. and all of the, every, every dime he has, not every dime he has, but a decent proportion of the money he has is that you, you can trace yeah. those funds pretty, not in like a, a, a Paul's Groff, like ridiculous level of tracing, this, yeah. you know, the, proximate cause type trace you know what i mean like he's like one or two hops away from a tax break or literally being just cut uh, you know a huge grant by the government to build a rocket or whatever I, else i love using paul's graph as the as just <laughs> like you can that. just hit, fa- say paul's graph and it's like oh you mean a uh uh an incredibly uh distant event that yeah wings of the butterfly caused it down the road yeah uh, i love using that as shorthand <laughs> Uh, for, I'm sure we don't, we don't have a lot of non-lawyers, but that's what that means as uh, a lawyer. Well, it's, but. Now I'm going to go on a digression. I think the case was a, a, a kid was trying to get on a train and he fell out and fireworks went off. And a, there was a, a woman scam. trying to get on a train, right. a train conductor, uh, as the train was moving, right. train conductor tried to help her accidentally right. kicked over another man's bag. Sure. That man's bag falls out of the train. It turned out that bag included fireworks. Fireworks go <laughs> sure. off down the track like 100 yards. A pole falls over and injures a person. But it was so the the, the little bit that our um, what is that torts? I guess our torts professor yeah, torts. weighed in like like, you know, the, the value add he had was he brought in a picture of what that pole actually was and it, what it is is it's some sort of scale mechanism it's an enormous mm. thing. It's like one of those yeah. big old brass clocks that you see in like a downtown area. And mm. so it coming down really would be uh, quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine being hurt really bad by a pole. And in, the, in the, the case, the question was whether the person trying to help the the lady get onto the train should be liable, liable for that pole injuries when it's such an insane series of events. Uh, yeah. Torts, one of the most fun classes when if you're a fan of Final Destination, the movie oh, yeah. series. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a oh, awesome there's there's class. bags of of like corn falling out of uh, second yeah. floor windows and crushing people and stuff. It's great. Yeah, yeah. there's a did you guys, there's in, a case in your torts classes in law school. Did you read the case about the flopper carnival ride? No, no. no? Okay. Well, while you talk about what you were going to talk about, Jake, I'm going <laughs> to look up a brief for the uh, for the flopper. <laughs> I was gonna I'm going to talk about a different case, which I've been trying to find because. Okay. The events are so crazy. I'm like, it had to make news, uh, which is somebody had a dock on a river for their property. They right. hooked it up to they hooked up their boat to their dock, but not tight enough. And the um, and somebody else's boat gets unmoored upstream. That mm. boat comes down and hits this guy's boat and knocks it loose. Now there are two boats floating down the down the river together. Right. And they both go down and hit a huge boat that gets un- undocked and all three boats then come down to a uh a like a a canal right. uh and block the canal and flood a city uh by wow. blocking the canal uh and the question was whether or not that second boats person tying tying uh inadequately to a post was And you're sure that's a real case and not like a hypo for a test or something? Yes, that was a real case. I don't wow. remember the name of the case, though. I mean, that, when you started talking mm. about it, it does sound vaguely familiar. I, it, it's in that period early on in torts where like, I didn't really know 
don't yeah. know if you guys experienced this. Like, I didn't really know why we were reading what we were reading cases for. I had the same feeling in Civ Pro. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't realize it was building on yeah. each other. I was trying to always oh, yeah. try to pull out like what's going on here. But that does that fact pattern does sound kind of familiar. Yeah. Awesome. So Civ Pro was my first class, and it was the meanest professor in the school who was not very mean. Right. Um, and looking back on it, he's not that mean. Uh, but I and I was called the first person called on by the meanest professor in the school oh. in the first class. Uh-uh. Uh, oh, and it man. was about um, notice pleading. And I didn't know what the hell a pleading was. Uh, I didn't know. I was so confused. Right. I gave a terrible, terrible answer as any one first day one L no legal experience person should. Uh, but yeah, that was a w- welcome to law school. Have you found Everybody, your case, yeah. Jason? I found it. I totally found it. All I'm right. not going to go through it because uh, it'll just be, I'm just going to toss it out there. It is a real, cl- real case. It's from 1929. It was written by Justice Cardozo of the New York. Uh, oh, what love him. Most people would re- yeah. What most people would refer to as the Supreme Court, uh, but it is actually the New York Court of Appeals, uh, which is totally backwards. And I think they're changing that in other news. Yeah, they're changing unrelated. it. Yeah, they're changing it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for non-lawyers or people who aren't following the news forever and ever, uh, New York's judicial system has been really confusing because the trial court, the basic like entry level court in New York has been called the New York Supreme Court, which feels totally backwards because for literally every other state territory uh, and imagination, the Supreme Court is the (laughs) highest court of the state. Uh, and uh, now they're making it so that the Supreme Court of New York is actually the highest court in the state. Go figure. Uh, good job, this guys. Was a just, yeah, good job. Right Way on time, yeah. Uh, this is a Justice Cardozo opinion from 1929. The case is Murphy versus Staple, Steeplechase Amusement Company. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, it's an interesting little read, or you can just read the brief uh, because it talks about, uh, you know, what happens when uh, you uh, step on a dangerous carnival ride and to what extent do you assume the risk when you get oh, on yeah. something called the flopper, which is going to flop you around along with the other mm. people who are going to be flopping in there with you. Uh, the dude broke his kneecap. It was not great. Oh, and, no. So, yeah. I mean, that's uh, like... happened now. That's, that's the... You can break a lot of bones that are less consequential than that, but that one I think I understand to be very, very intense pain. So, uh, yeah. Murphy versus Steeplechase Amusement Company, 1929, Justice Cardozo. Good opinion. Yeah, but Cardozo, uh, I don't know if this is true, but this is the way it's portrayed in Torts class, basically invented our system of negligence in this country. I think uh, that's about right. So, yeah. I didn't know that. that thanks, I think buddy. He's probably, he's probably regarded, regarded as the best judge to ever not make it to the United States Supreme Court. No, he did. He oh, made he did? It. Yeah. Oh, what he, he got, he got voted in like unit. So I I had some Wikipedia time on this, I believe. I believe he made it. He okay. was uh, the first and his appointment was considered. I think it might have been like uh, Harding. Oh, you're totally right. He absolutely him? did. No, it was Hoover. And it was considered the only good thing that president ever did. Yeah. Did it was Hoover, Hoover, Jason? It, uh, Hoover? Oh, okay. Well, he had no, the Vils. He had yeah. Hoover Vils. Uh, yeah, everybody loves yeah. Hoover. Yeah, they love not an accomplishment. Uh, everybody loves camping. Yeah, but he got on the court and basically didn't have much time to do very much. So yeah, yeah. he was he was there for six years. So that's probably why I overlooked it because we basically have just people on the on there for decades and decades decomposing most <laughs> yeah. of the time. Uh, yeah. uh, he was on from thirty two to thirty eight. Uh, nominated by Hoover. Uh, also, if you look him up on Wikipedia or any other image search thing, uh, just a startlingly handsome dude, like a an OG silver fox. Good looking fella. I think he never got married. Uh, I know too much about him. Now uh, I'm looking up Benjamin Cardozo on Google I think he, like, he was like, like Conan O'Brien his whole life or something. Uh, well, that's what he says, but yeah, nobody's believing that. He does look like Conan O'Brien in a lot of these photos. Yeah. yeah. Benjamin yeah, Cardozo. Very prominent, good, very prominent good. eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one of the most important people, most people I've never heard of, for sure. Yeah, I think most people, I think even most lawyers now would probably know him mo- mostly from the school, right? Yeah, Cardozo the, Law. The, yeah. Cardozo Law School in New the York. Third tier oh, law school. I thought you were saying from York. torts class. Everybody has to take, every lawyer has to take torts class, and everybody. Right. Yeah. I feel like if you can find me a torts professor who doesn't fawn over Cardozo, like I'll be shocked. Yeah. You got your learned yeah. hand. 
uh, uh, which is a top, yeah. top 10 name of a judge, at least. Yeah, um, yeah. solid. Yeah, Benjamin Cardozo. I'm trying to think of others that, you know. Was Learned uh, Hand a Supreme Court justice? No, right? I don't know. Mm. That might be the most. I'm, I'm, he's just a second-rate I'm, Cardozo, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm over one on that tonight, so I'm not, I'm not guessing on, <laughs> did, they, did they make it to the, the, to the nine? Uh, it yeah. might not have been nine at this point. I don't know. Uh, Learned Hand was the guy that had the judicial decision that said, uh, actually, a tomato is a vegetable, you stupid idiots. Stop calling it a fruit. Oh, we yeah. know that it's technically a fruit, but everybody knows, it's a, knows it's a vegetable. So we're going to use what people think it is, even though it has some technical other, you know, there's some technical other definition that puts it in the fruit uh, category. So as long the, as uh, spiritual on an audio ancestor medium, to, you yeah, know. sorry, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, appearances. You got to look up learned hand. He has a face <laughs> like an owl. He looks, he's a spooky looking man. Um, and an interesting uh, fact, if you thought Learned Hand was a weird name, his first name is actually Billings, and he was never a Supreme Court justice. He was a judge of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York. But he does look like a, he has a very a very owl-like face in his later years. He's mm. got kind of vaguely a... Uh, who's the bad guy from uh, the first uh, Captain America movie, the like little German guy, uh, not the guy yeah. who was also in the matrix. Not Red Skull. Kinda, yeah. Not Red mm. Skull, but the other guy who did all the science experiments and stuff. Yeah. Nah, that bad guy. Yeah. He looks a little the guy like who him. turns on his master for a steak. Uh, I want to, uh, point out, uh, while I'm on Benjamin Cardozo's Wikipedia page, uh, we were talking about how awesome, uh, he is. He is, We've got a streak of great Supreme Court justice names coming from uh, uh, his heritage. He was preceded <laughs> by Oliver Wendell Holmes. That is like oh. an old money Supreme Court justice name. Yeah. Then you've got Benjamin Cardozo, solid name, followed by Felix Frankfurter. In addition oh, to having a, a great name. name like Felix, <laughs> it's alliterative. And who doesn't love yeah. an yeah. alliterative judge? Fe- okay. Felix We've Frankfurter. Gone, we- Sounds like a name that a Japanese game company would give to a baseball player because they don't, because yeah. they're trying to invent <laughs> a American name. Or it'd be like the or mascot it's like, uh, for like Oscar Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. Here he comes. Yes. He's coming. Hey, kids. It's Felix Frankfurter. Yeah. 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 So Oliver Wendell Holmes this is one of those stories that is always told. I don't know if it's actually true. My understanding is he shook hands with both Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy. Oh. And the way it worked was it was, you know, Link. he was a kid when Lincoln, when he shook hands with Lincoln and Kennedy, you forget that Kennedy was, uh, you know, a Nepo baby and uh, he had a lot of connections in that family. So he shook hands with Oliver Wendell Holmes when Oliver Wendell Holmes was a Supreme Court justice and Kennedy was, you know, a child. Yeah. So there you go. It's you funny how trivia. like history, if it's like 60 years ago, it feels like forever ago. If you are like 20 years old or something like that. Yeah. But I'm just thinking mm-hmm. like when, when I'm like 80, I'm going to be telling kids, you know, I was alive. <laughs> I was alive for a long time before there was a black president. Um, and right. you that's know, what you're going like, to be telling kids constantly. They're yeah. Going to be like, we know, we know, we heard it. And you're going to tell them yeah. again. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like I was like, I'm still, you know, I'm still around and kicking. And anyway, uh, times uh, that history is not that recent or not that uh, not that far away. Right. Yeah. Do you ever? Mm. Do you guys ever do the? Now we're really off a topic, but um, do you guys ever do the math of like you think of a time like uh, a year in the two thousands that you don't feel like was that long ago? Like say two thousand two, two thousand three, and that's twenty years ago. And then right. you think back to some other time in the nineties where you remember like being in in fifth grade or something, and you think back to how like take that twenty years and go back like how long ago that was then, and that seems yeah. like a much longer stretch of time. Right. Like nineteen sixty eight to nineteen ninety eight seems like a lot more than thirty years. Whereas 1993 to 2023 seems like a lot less. Yeah. Right. I, I, yes. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's mostly like just, you know, a product of perception. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also wonder how much of that is because of how much of the change in the way that we deal with things has been software based. And we're still looking at the same like smartphones came. We already had cell phones. But right. smartphones came, and now we've been looking at the same more or less smartphone screen for 15 years. Uh, and, you know, the software has changed. The way that we arrange meetings, you know, that kind of stuff has changed. Right. But 
so it's less tactile. Uh, but but that said, the the styles are definitely very different. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, no more frosted tips. Now now the frosted tips are like the it's retro. If you're well, doing yeah, a frosted trip. that's a question though. But are they as different uh, 2003 to 2023 as they were, say, 2023, uh, 2003 to 1983? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, does 20 years do as much? Because I've definitely lost decades having their own feel. Like, I don't, I don't have that anymore. I feel like yeah. the 90s were a thing, and maybe the LOs were a thing, but the teens were not, mm. and the 20s are not. The 20s are. Are they? Oh uh, yeah. To oh, me, that the I mean, 20s were the emo years. You know. Oh okay uh 20s were emo 10s were like uh like midnight's like indie uh 10 10s were the heyday of uh of indie like never mind <laughs> like really? yeah. yeah i would mid, say the mid, like m83 uh um, you guys know m83 yeah no yeah uh uh foster the people yeah okay but okay. isn't that OOS? Isn't that isn't that like 2000 to 2010? I think uh, I think Foster the People got big in like 2010, 2011. Huh. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, the 20s are the year are the, the the decade where all the wheels are coming off of everything. So yeah. we'll get back to yeah. Twitter. Twitter's bad. Um, my question for you guys is: What do you? Th- so PBS has left. NPR has left. I oh, yeah. don't see that as uh, that means that it's the end of Twitter. No. What, what do you guys think will be the like? I mean, I I kind of I, I we talked a little, uh, not you not us three, but I talked a little bit on esq uh, social with some people who were talking about. Um, I think it was uh, Grant Gullifson and mm-hmm. um, somebody else. We're talking about uh, what will be the 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 group that leaves Twitter that will cause everyone else to leave as well. And the thought is that journalists are what is keeping people there now. And I think I kind of more or less buy that, but I don't think it's npr and pbs that's going to pull everyone away but then when right. i ask myself what will you know what i mean what is the bellwether no. like what what will be the group that leaves in that man like ship sailed it's done i, I think, don't know do you guys have any ideas so i think my perspective on this is what would kill it is if there is a trifecta de- departure from twitter of new york times uh washington post and uh, uh wall street journal and uh, i I mean, maybe I'll maybe I'll give a shout out to your benefactor here and and say uh, Bloomberg too, right? Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Michael. We love you, Michael. Yeah. But uh, so I think about the journalists that I follow on there, and aside from like weird niche interests, uh, writers that I follow on there, the actual like when I was using Twitter as a news source, which turns out that was never a great idea, uh, (laughs) but when I was using Twitter as a news source, it was primarily. NYT, WAPO, uh, and uh, Wall Street Journal uh, journalists who were coming through. Not necessarily the publications themselves, but the journalists who were writing for the publications. I was following some of them. Uh, And if we see a mass exodus from those three kind of major publications, I think that's the sign that uh, the journalism part of Twitter is defunct. I think that's an important (laughs) distinction, too. It's the journalists going, right? It's not the institutions. And I think that is a much harder lift than the institutions because New York Times could just make the decision to pull their accounts. No big deal. But the journalists are thinking, well, I'm not necessarily always going to be with the New York Times. So I think I will keep my account on Twitter, my personal account, and I'll, you know, push out my stories as long as people are clicking them. Right. And I think uh, that's kind of I don't think there's any one group or I I think if every journalist and every every journalist with New York Times, with Washington Post, uh, with local news suddenly only started posting on Mastodon, Twitter would still be alive to some extent for years. I think it is going to be a slow, you know, a slow drain from the balloon of Twitter. I think it's already started. Uh, I would love if those like I think the medium step first is those. Uh, Twitter accounts, those journalism Twitter accounts, right. and if the institution themselves start backing Mastodon for real, uh, yeah. I would love to see that. Just as a user of Mastodon that really likes Mastodon uh, and would have more fun with more engagement from these kind of from these kind of people, Definitely. I would love to see that. Um, and it doesn't; they don't have to abandon Twitter to do it. But the second they don't need Twitter, the Twitter, I have no reason to believe that Twitter is suddenly going to start making good decisions 
Uh, no. And right. they will be plenty of excuses along the way to be like, actually, I don't need it anymore. I got plenty of audience over on Mastodon. And I know that I personally get more engagement and fun out of Mastodon already. I'm on yeah. Twitter. If you know who's my you know person, if they leave, I'm out. Uh, a, he's a, no, he's a <laughs> he's a lawyer that I am friends with locally, uh, who, and he just tweets about UCF and politics constantly in a very funny way. Uh, and he's like a a tiny niche, not celebrity, but he's like a power user in the UCF athletics game. <laughs> Uh, and but he's so fun to interact with it's like that's that's ucf that's ucf that's twitter at its best right um and also i follow gaming journalists and that i i would come back to uh like not journalists but like uh like commentators and stuff like that influencers influencers Uh, can we pressure your local friend to join esq or whatever i'm not really trying to yeah you know i probably i i've actually i think i've tried that at some point um but uh he likes using gifs and uh, replies a lot and videos yeah. uh and it's a lot easier in twitter still um yeah. and probably forever just because of the cost of doing that's you paying for that andrew when, when <laughs> right. i post the video yeah and um, i mean that is a limitation and i'm but but i mean i think one way those sorts of limitations are ameliorated is i, I don't think like you know, if Bloomberg was to say jump from Twitter to Mastodon, I don't think they should join an instance. They should start their own. Right. And there should they, be a Bloomberg server. And yeah, that's absolutely. that's immediate verification for all your journalists. Right. And you don't have to worry about your about it's probably less than the uh, I mean, I know it's less than the cost to get an organizational uh, verification from Twitter because they're charging like like a thousand dollars a month for organizational yeah. verification on Twitter. Mm. Which is yeah, and Bloomberg or any of these other big institutions have the the scale capacity for the, the server, you know, the deals they have for the servers they have wherever they have it. Probably Amazon, yeah. probably Akamai, all these other. It would be a drop in the bucket to just throw on, yeah. uh, and they could hire the staff to to operate it. They could hire the staff to moderate it. And yeah, you're right. It'd be instant verification if you have an at Bloomberg.com or an at NewYorkTimes.com, um, yeah, Mastodon address. You are from there. That's it. Yeah. And, and you don't even need to moderate it, right? Because it's like, literally, it's only your journalists on this. Right. We'll just fire on you. this thing. That's the moderation. <laughs> HR <laughs> right. is the moderation. Yeah. We'll, we'll come down and why, <laughs> yeah. are you, why are you posting crazy things on <laughs> Do you have the ability to people kick people off S.Dot Social? I, yeah, of course. Like, you yeah. can? Okay. Yeah. Like, I did. There was yeah. one guy I, I kicked. He had like a, a swastika as his uh, avatar. Oh, right. mercy. Really early well, on. Yeah. I guess I was wondering whether or not like they are allowed to export their stuff when you ban them. Like, I th- it's one of those things where uh, on esq.social you definitely can. You you can, okay. you can still export all you. You could transfer all your stuff yeah. over because the idea is it's a soft ban. <laughs> yeah, and the idea is sort of like that's not uh, like mine in air quotes. That's not the servers to take from that person. Right. I don't want you here saying the things you're saying. Yeah. But your friends list, I you know that has nothing to do with me. You want to go someplace else? Go someplace else. Um, but you certainly could make it, you know, they could yeah. delete all their followers and, and do whatever else. Because they could say, like, you built this brand up, this name up under right. our sir. You know what I mean? There, there's some connection there. Yeah, it solves a problem of, you know, uh, that newspapers and journalists have all the time where the journalist is pers- building up a personal brand. And right. the pre- the outfit doesn't like it because it means they can move. Um but the journalist obviously doesn't want to be contained. So, you know, they'll have their official Twitter and then their personal Twitter. Right. Uh, and uh, this this way you could have a professional Mastodon, right. which is also your personal Mastodon, because once you leave, you port it somewhere else and they port it right. somewhere anyway. Same way you would uh, do with email or something, right? I mean, the, the yeah. everything after the at lets you know where the person is. And that, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It, it's yeah. such a good idea. Yeah. News Come on, for NPR, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> At npr.org. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you guys. I, that's basically my thought on Twitter as well. I think uh, the thought that I, has occurred to me is I remember uh, long after I was off of MySpace, I, for some reason, like went back to, I think I got an email saying like, you haven't logged in in two years or something. And so I went into like formally delete my account and it was still marginally active like it was still probably uh, on the level of the amount of activity you see on mastodon now 
right? Pretty active. Not Twitter levels, not Facebook levels, but there's a lot of people on there. And so Twitter had a lot more people because there's just a lot more people online. Twitter had a lot yeah. more accounts to start with. And so that slow bleed will take a long time. Yeah. But and the other thing is sort of like, how do you measure? Because like I still have a Twitter account. I still occasionally check it. I don't I'm not active on there. And Jake, I know you occasionally check yours. So what would like what is the measure of um I don't see a lot of people, I guess what I'm saying is I don't see a lot of people deleting their accounts right now. So even if you're saying the slow bleed is happening now, it's mostly yeah. with like attention, not with uh, right. formal account oh, closing yeah. done. And I think yeah. that's going to be it is it's just going to be, you know, you have entire news. You constantly have news stories that are just like, oh, this thing happened on Twitter. That's a news right. story. I think we're going to see that less and less as people care less about as things happen less. Or the things that happen are just so openly non-newsworthy and just pure right. toxicity. Um, I mean, a good example to, to segue into what you put you you put in the uh, the document is the Substack thing, right? That yeah. was that was a <laughs> thing. I mean, like we we heard about it, but it wasn't as big as it would have been at the height of Twitter being like the homepage of the internet. You know what I mean? This being the main thing, they just completely blocked the abilities. So the, what was the deal with this? The story was, yeah. So Substack, a um, which, if you don't know, is a newspaper, a new newspaper, newsletter app company where you can start a newsletter. And the idea is they provide the newsletter software and you can charge. You can basically form a little small business uh, and charge people for your newsletter like a Patreon. Um, right. And uh, they added a feature called Substack Notes, which I think is actually open to everybody and is free. Yeah, uh, but is, you know, obviously mostly for the Substack creators, which looks a lot like Twitter. It lets you start write a little thing and start a conversation and have conversation with your readers. Uh, and it was enough of a competitor looking thing to Twitter that Twitter not only. So <laughs> what well, any link, any tweet that links to Substack could not be uh, could not be favorited. Uh, could not be and could not be replied to, I believe. I think it could still yeah. be retweeted. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, Substack, Substack's account itself was uh, what nobody could reply to it, I believe. I think that's right. So then people and, were retweeting there saying this was going on and then right. replying to that to sort of try to have the conversation still. And then the uh, and then on if you tried to search Substack, it brought up the na- the word newsletter as well. So it just seems like a total, like a uh, total Bush league move. Right. Um, to stop people from looking up Substack stuff. He um, sort of formally, uh, like this was an actual rule. Ch- I'm not defending it. I'm just saying yeah. this was like an actual rule change sort of early on in his tenure. Right. We're like, we're not, I remember there's something about like yeah. with the Mastodon stuff, we're not going to yeah. be giving like free advertisement to, Mastodon. Yeah. I've had my Mastodon handle in my name since the day he said that, and I, I don't think I've had any. Well, he backed advice. off that. He said it was a mistake. Like months oh, ago, okay. he said it was a mistake to try to stop that. He was like, Mastodon's not a real competitor. Oh. Um, his explanation for the Substack thing was that they were trying to download his whole the whole database, which doesn't make it. I have no idea what he's even saying. He no. said Substack was trying to download their whole database. Um, what whole data? Wow. What data? What, like what? <laughs> what does that mean? It sounds like a. Uh, it sounds like a like boomer. Yeah. Uh, sorry, like an NBC. Uh, no a, no. It's you know. It's like oh my god, they're back tracing me or something like right. that. It's, it's like an NBC level. CSI. Yeah, exactly. Crime show, right? No, he's trying to yeah. download the database. He's behind yeah. ten firewalls. <laughs> so apparently, this has been rolled back, or at least partially rolled back, because I am scrolling through uh, Substacks. Twitter page right now and it it's got yeah. replies on it even the even the note uh the pinned tweet at the very top that's uh that introduces notes uh that's got some responses uh some comments some retweets some likes uh and for some reason I can see their number of views I don't know if I've hacked into some super sweet uh, you downloaded the entire on. database yes I downloaded the database I'm in your base killing all your mans uh <laughs> But uh, so maybe they rolled it back, but it's probably too little too late. And like, why bother rolling it back once you've already gotten this bad publicity? Maybe it's to kill the story so that it dies off in a couple of days. I don't know. Uh, Just another in a long series of terrible (laughs) judgment moves. 
Yeah. Um, I don't follow any sub stacks or subscribe to any. Do either of you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, okay. I follow, uh, I don't pay for any. Uh, right, I'm a big freeloader. Oh. Uh, right, I follow Platformer, which is Casey Newton and Zoe Schiffer's uh, newsletter about social media companies. Uh, oh, that's also, a good one. I'm going to subscribe to that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Chance, Chancery um, Daily. They have a lot of great reporting. Chancery Daily, who does stuff about uh, corporate. Delaware Court of Chancery, uh, but you know, got very famous off of her live live blogging of um, of the Elon Musk trial with like expertise and actually explaining what what was going on. Um, I like Substack. I don't see it. At, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that Musk sees it as a direct notes as a direct no, competitor. Yeah, it's not. It's Twitter. It's not. I mean, it's more like Tumblr, and also yeah. it's just not of the side. Like I really think Mastodon. I, I I'm biased, I guess, because I run an yeah. instance, but I think it's much it, to the extent anything is a threat. It's more yeah. of a threat than Substack is. I also don't really think it's a threat right now, but right. I, I would understand more of that than than Substack notes. Why yeah. choose yeah. that? Why not Tumblr? It's a huge cell phone because all of a sudden everybody cares. I wouldn't have cared at all about Substack notes or probably right. even known about it. Uh, Sorry. All of a sudden I, everybody's talking about it. I thought you said it's a huge cell phone and I thought we were talking about like Saved <laughs> yeah. by the Bell, Zach Morris, but no, yeah. it's a huge self own. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think Substack is like the Substack newsletters are going to be great for uh, decentralized journalism. And so like there is a journalist from uh, uh, Lafayette, Indiana, who used to be with the big Gannett publication. Uh, it wasn't originally a Gannett publication. Yeah. Uh, but got scooped up by Gannett and uh, thus stopped reporting any meaningful local <laughs> news and only basically was right. reprints of USA Today. Uh, and uh, so this guy quit, got laid off, whatever. But he was like the guy for good local news. So I get his newsletter. Uh, I get the free version of it because I don't know, it's good, but it's not <laughs> enough that I want to pay for it yet. Uh, but... I think that's a good solution for journalists who are exiting Twitter who already have followings built up. And I think the yeah. hardship yeah. is going to be for people who are cracking into journalism. Uh, and so this is going to probably disproportionately affect younger or newer journalists because they can't pop on there, get retweeted a couple of times by, you know, the Washington Post and suddenly, you know, be flooded with followers that they can then port over to Mastodon or Substack or something else. So that's kind of regrettable that the folks who are trying to break into a field that had gotten more permeable probably between 2009 and 2020, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe 2021, uh, that had gotten more permeable where you saw a lot more grassroots journalism. It, it feels to me like you saw a lot more grassroots journalism during that period uh, attributable to Twitter, Facebook, and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, that is at risk now. Yeah, I mean, there, there really haven't been, like, I'm thinking about, you're, you're talking about local journalists. Uh, there haven't been um, meaningful competitors for all that long. I mean, I, I use Twitter. To, you're, you're right. I have a list for local, for like some Philly uh, reporters and some like hyper-local, like this you know area in New Jersey. Um, patch patch.com was supposed to be that sort of thing, right? Like local news journalists can write things directly for, uh, individualized hyper-local sort of like quasi newspapers, all those things. I think they're now probably a, a Gannett company or something by now they've been bought by someone that seems to be how all these things go. And Substack is interesting because the other, um, sort of value add they have is that you retain your list of subscribers. So, um, platformer, right? They have a like basically a .csv file of all the people's email mm. addresses that have signed up yeah. for it. So if Substack starts getting a little hairy, they can just pull the plug and go someplace else. Yeah, and yeah. pour it over to Memberful is, or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that is. I mean, it's not to the Mastodon level of where you actually run the platform, but I don't know that everybody right. has to. Like, I, I don't, I don't think uh, good enough or perfect has to be the enemy of good here. And there's because like there's been a lot of people talking about you know why would you get behind Substack notes when you're just throwing your 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 hand in behind a, another company that could screw you, basically. But I don't see that it is it, it's to the same degree where where Twitter was, where the there is no nothing to export. There is no list to to like all you can do is what we did with Mastodon, which is try to use different tools to see if someone has affirmatively said they have a Mastodon handle that you follow, right? Yeah. 
it's quite hard. different to me. Yeah, it's it, it, that is a very different thing from like you're automating the process of just searching Twitter for people you used to know on MySpace or Friendster. That's quite different from mm-hmm. exporting a list of email addresses that you could just import someplace else. And so, uh, you yeah. know, I think Substack is a great alternative to Twitter. And if people like that better than Mastodon, then I'm all for it. Yeah, there's nothing that says we need an exact Twitter in the world. No, yeah. um, that's just the way that we've gotten used to it. We can yeah. get we can get the short form, quick react content in other ways, uh, and Honestly, we don't necessarily need to en- enter the cesspool of literally everyone in the world when you're looking at that content. Yeah, I think maybe the discoverability of local journalism or other local featured stuff is probably being fed out to TikTok and Instagram Reels yeah. and YouTube Shorts <laughs> based on their geo linking. Like I'm getting fed because I started following a bunch of Indianapolis accounts like the like here's the guy that does the good restaurants in Indianapolis or the new restaurants in Indianapolis. Like okay, like uh, now all of a sudden I'm getting fed. Uh, here are the good playgrounds there and here are the good theaters to go to and don't go to these bad theaters, stuff like that. So I think maybe that's the new discoverability venue and journalists, you need to get yourselves over to TikTok. Don't no, not TikTok. Choose <laughs> Reels. Choose choose Instagram. Yeah. TikTok Doing is about both. Down, yeah. Why not? Yep. Okay, yeah. so I mean, I think we could hit follow up, and then uh, we can call it a night, fellas. The only follow up I I had that I added was I don't know if you guys saw this um, uh, partner from Hogan Levels. You kind of knew when we had that Paul Hastings PowerPoint uh, thing that it was going to be a uh, a foot race for some big law partner to write like, here's what our version would be. You know, I mean, this is this yeah. is how we see it, and you know, we treat our <laughs> our uh, um, chattel with with respect here. Um, did you guys get to look at that at all? <laughs> No, yeah. what do you say? No, it, I mean it's it's it's. it's I less, can't. I don't even know. <laughs> it's not great. I mean, it's not. It's it's you know more or less what we were talking about, and they try to they tried to clean it up a little bit. Um, number one, just I'm not going to go through the whole oh. ten, but I'll give you a quick one. Number one, big law firms tackle some of the most challenging projects for some of the most sophisticated clients. We act like it's a privilege to be trusted with our clients' matters because it is. And you can kind of get the tone from yeah. that. Uh, for number five, clients pay a lot for your time. They wouldn't if what you're doing didn't have value. Every assignment you do matters. It's basically taking the other version and trying to like clean it up a little bit. They're still saying, you know, we're, we're dragging the beds into the offices. But, you know, we're going to put some nice fitted sheets on them. We've got a nice quilt for you. It's going to be delightful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. I was thinking this was an, a different op-ed that we had talked about. Uh, but yeah, this is Sean Marotta. Marotta? Uh, who's like very active on on law Twitter, and I think this is this kind of gets at the fact that that the problem with the Paul Hastings slide was the kind of attitude that was the main problem with it, which yeah. is yeah. certain. There's some things that were wrong, but yeah. like mostly it was like the the perspective of this, the tone of it is yeah. so wrong. <laughs> the it's you know uh, that was the main problem. So changing the tone is one thing. Uh, but there's yeah. some actual content there that needed to change as well. Yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, in my skimming of it, I didn't feel like it necessarily was addressed that well, but I think the other op-ed you were referring to, which I didn't put in the show notes yeah. because I don't, I don't really need to give it more attention, but there was one on, <laughs> there was another op-ed on Bloomberg that just basically said um, the presentation wasn't that offensive. And then went on to say that like, sort of that's just how big law is. And um, kind of, said nothing i mean i heard yeah. a lot of this on, it was both of- it wasn't that offensive and also yeah yeah nobody agrees with this with this thing it's right. like well so it wasn't so you actually think it was bad right do you think right. it was bad or do you not think it was bad right um so it's hard to tell with that with that yeah this reminds me of a conversation that i had today where uh, it was, yeah, of course these customers are racist. You just got to suck it up and deal with it like no that's <laughs> yeah. not how this works <laughs> oh <Yeah>. wow no <laughs> Uh, I do have okay. a follow-up on the Reedy Creek thing, just briefly. Awesome. Let's hear um, it. The Reedy Creek, uh, it's more of a tamp down on a follow-up, which is Reedy Creek is considering a resolution um, to basically place its laws and superiority to the two cities that exist within Reedy Creek, which are Lake Buena Vista and Bay Lake. Um, okay. And people, I got asked for comment on it and whether it was an additional power grab. And like, certainly it could be viewed that way. Uh, but the truth is that that was already possible under the old law. The old law already said that Reedy Creek's uh, now Central Florida Tourism Oversight District 
uh, it already said that Reedy Creek had the ability to usurp the laws of these cities, which there's some question about why these cities exist in the first place. But the point of that resolution is that the cities are controlled by popular vote. Disney is all the voters like a normal city. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a power grab, but it's one that was not unexpected. And in fact, was kind of part of the design of the district. Hmm. Is that worth a column or, or an article or anything? Or you should not? No. And if it was, I wouldn't write it. I'm so I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I'm starting to think uh, maybe there's a good analogy to be made here. Maybe there's not. But is like Disney the sovereign citizen of corporations? Uh, <laughs> like I don't know. Except I'm it's tease actually this out. right. It's actually yeah, sovereign. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tease this out in my mind over the next. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You're going to workshop it. You're going to workshop yeah. this joke. You'll come in with That's a great right. metaphor. We're going to get next. there. Yeah. That's right. All right. So if we're all good with follow-up, I think all we have is uh, what's going on with us. I think we know. Uh, well, so Jason already gave his suggestion. It was uh, yeah, Chicago, Chicago popcorn. makes popcorn, baby. Chicago yep, makes I'm gonna popcorn. Go, I'm going to go upstairs right after this and get a bowl. Problematic um, popcorn. Okay. Of popcorn. I can't, yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't call my ThinkPad a recommendation yet because okay. I have barely used it. Uh, I I went on a mini vacation, as you might remember from last ep- episode. I did work during that vacation, shamefully. Um, oh, no. But uh, I did play video games. I played a okay. video game called Dredge. Um, Dredge. It is a fishing. It is a fishing game where you you sail around the little group of islands and fish and upgrade your boat as you sell your fish. Uh, okay. And it's got a nice little gameplay loop. But the twist is that this this little group of islands that you landed in uh, are cursed by Cthulhu. Uh, and so there are some, because uh, of course, why would they yeah. not be? So there are some, uh, like, so for example, so when you're out in the day, it's fine, but at night you start increasing a panic meter, and you're okay. you can, and as your panic increases, more and more horrifying things come out of the ocean to fight you. You will see a boat, and it turns out that boat is like a demonic anglerfish. So if you try to go sure. talk to it, it's actually an anglerfish that hunts people. If you try to go talk uh, and it to the will fish. chase you. Um, and if you if your panic gets high enough, a big old leviathan will come out of the ocean to grab you. So that sounds uh, it's a very interesting, interesting game. It's not is it indie it's not like an indie game. Long. It's an indie game. I would call it an indie game. It sounds like some sort of it's like twenty five bucks or th- I think. Yeah, I Steam. want cursed by cthulhu island fishing games to become so popular that it becomes like like <laughs> metroidvania style games you know how they just refer to it as yeah. a style like i want yeah. that to become so common yeah. that that's just oh another one of those cthulhu fishing games yeah. okay uh, yeah call it uh mm, i was i was gonna call it cthulhuvania but that's no because you it, got something no. to workshop this week too yeah. yeah yeah it's like when people refer to uh themselves as being rageaholics what's yeah. the a hall right yeah. you're not you're not yeah, Addicted there's a rage hall. <laughs> Just can't live without rage hall. Yeah, that's classic. Um, uh, classic Homer Simpson line. Oh, is it? I probably yeah. it's probably got it in my head somewhere from that way. Um, so I've been playing some games too. I've been playing MLB The Show 23. Um, uh, I oh. play most the baseball games when they come out. I play them for a little while. I never get that into it. Um, it's cool. It has an old uh, historic version where you could play as Negro League players and Negro League teams. Um, never had an opportunity to play a game like that before, and. It's uh, free for Game Pass uh, users. It's you know free on Game Pass rather. Um, I recommend it. Good game. Not on PC Game Pass, sadly. Mm. Is it not? Oh, I'm sorry. No. Life is hard. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. Well, we know I, uh, Jason's recommendation, so I think it is time to say good night. Yeah. So we can go have his popcorn. Good night, good everybody. Night. I would give you some popcorn. Jake, have yeah, you I ever was... considered getting that little handheld game station the the play date? Play. Oh, a little. Oh, the little, the yeah. one that you can wind up. Yeah, it's got a little crank on it. No. It's got a bunch of like really little indie games that might just be right up your alley. No, I don't think if so. If we got people to send in money to buy yeah, you one, would you buy it, it for me, audience? Okay, please. There's the call. He'll review it. We'll do one whole show where he just <laughs> plays it while we talk about uh, old Supreme Court justices. <laughs> the song ran out of time. Good night. Sorry. Bye. <laughs>